0: Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popovich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770.
1: style matters it's more than money I'm Faisal Carmela my co-host here Dave Popwich how you doing buddy I'm great how about you I'm doing well um, congratulations <laughs> for once in your life being older has its benefits <laughs> yep you're in line now for the vaccine I just squeaked in 50 years old in a day yeah right No. yeah three years ago you did <laughs> this is the first time in a long time I want fake ID <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll slip it. You remember yeah. I used to do it in school? Just, just pass me your driver's license. Maybe I can right. get in there. Close. Yeah. We look close. Close enough. You just say. Yeah, just a little one, bit shorter. That's, that's all right. it is. <laughs> this is summer.
0: Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. But um, it's
1: interesting. Yeah, the vaccine has been uh, announced for many of the population over the age of 50. Yeah. Uh, Johnson & Johnson just got their uh, okay from Health Canada. Nice. Uh, so... Things are, if the vaccine is the solution, things are looking better than they did a month ago. So, right.
0: Yeah, it's, it's likely to accelerate in terms of the amount of Canadians that will be vaccinated or the pace at which we're vaccinating, right? Yeah. That's good. And listen, vaccine is part of the story. There's no question, right? We can't have an economic recovery without people being able to go back to work, yeah. the services sector in particular, going back to work. Um, so...
1: And get ready for a lot of conflicting messages, Dave, because we just heard from Texas that they're removing the mask mandate. Um, 15 states, I believe it is now, don't quote me on that number, are now mask-free in their states, yet their numbers are growing at faster rates than ours. And so a bunch of questions are going to come out from, um, from individuals and the media as to, do we really need masks still? Now that the vaccine's coming, can't we just, you know... Open up the economy sooner. Sure. all these different things are going to come out. So be prepared for more distraction and volatility because of that distraction as as we move forward.
0: Okay, that's a really good segue. Let's talk about that distraction because we've had volatile markets again this week. We've had volatile markets for the last two or three weeks.
1: yeah, what's your what's your explanation of why we've seen um, a lot of volatility, particularly in what did well last year, which was technology, um what's your take on that well let, let, let's talk about the f- technology second what what's the reason
0: it's confusing again for people last year we were talking about really strong equity markets but really kind of a terrible backdrop right with uh deaths and no vaccines and all of these things and now we're talking about much better news more vaccines p- more people being vaccinated economies reopening People going back to work, and then we've got volatility again, right? It's confusing for people. Well, what's been happening um, uh, recently, of course, is that interest rates have been moving higher on anticipation of higher inflation.
1: And we're referring to the U.S. 10-year Treasury as the benchmark of interest rates going up. Correct. Everything else kind of filters around that, Canada, other countries, and so forth. But it's been primarily the U.S. 10-year Treasury that people have been keeping their eye on.
0: Right. And, and listen treasury prices even after their yields as they've moved up um, are still really near historical lows but it's the pace at which that move took place that spooked the markets a little bit yeah now why does that why does that influence things like technology well uh, you think about the valuations of some of these companies right so and it doesn't not just technology but growth stocks in general stocks that did well last year in many cases have got valuations that are um, Historically, very high, and uh, so what happens is the market begins to starts to be concerned about the potential of growth, what the borrowing costs are going to be, pr- using that new in higher interest rate to price a risk premium for what you're going to pay for that stock. There's a whole bunch of moving levers there, but it does influence the relative trade, the relative value between assets, and concerns about what those operating costs may look like, you know, for borrowing and so on and so forth. So. There's a number of reasons why it does that. Um, the spook, the scare this week um, was the Fed's commentary. Now, language is important, and, and the Fed in particular can move markets with their language Correct. or lack of language, whatever they Correct. said. You go back to Bernanke in 2013. That's where we got our first sniff of this. Uh, central banks learned a lot from what that, that temper tantrum that the markets had in 2013, But most recently, aside from this one, you just have to go back to the fourth quarter of 2018. That's right. Under Fed Powell, Chair Powell, what we had was, again, some loose language that spooked the equity markets, or spooked the markets in general. Equities sold off in that fourth quarter. Language changed in early 2019, and we're back at it. So fundamentally, here we are again. Uh, The Fed chair did not give the market what it wanted. What it wanted was to hear that the Fed would Uh, employ what they call operation twist, stop buying bonds on the short end or reduce that, start buying U.S. Treasury bonds in that 10-year range and controlling the pace and the destination, how how high uh, rates are going to go. Now, we'll see what happens with the language going forward, but my fundamental belief, and you can uh, give your opinion on this, is that central banks have been clear that they are not going to allow uh, rates uh, to appreciate at a pace that will derail the economic recovery. Correct. Okay. So is this a temporary temper tantrum? Maybe, right? Is it, unlike, is it likely that the central banks will step away? Their policy decision now is to step away and not control those rates? I think that's unlikely. Mm-hmm. Okay? But this is what the market's trying to figure out right now.
1: What you're going to find interesting, and, I, and let's just assume for a second we're around the one5 1.6% yield on a 10-year treasury. Yep. Uh, 2% is what's been talked about now because we're, we're, we're moving higher. When you get to a 2% 10-year mm-hmm. treasury, and you've seen what's happened with the price of stocks generally across the board, now an investor is going to say, why take the risk of stocks and get a 2% dividend when I can buy a bond at 2% and not have to worry because I know the U.S. government will pay me my interest on time.
0: Yeah. That's that relative trade idea, right? Correct. The relative value.
1: And so when we get closer to the number on the yield equivalent to what on average dividends are providing, yeah. let's say that the S&P 500, you start getting that conversation of let's pick one over the other. And so what happens when a lot of money chases after treasury as the yield falls. And this is probably where it's in the playbook of the Federal Reserve to say, we might not have to do as much immediately Mm -hmm. because there is potentially a $1.9 trillion stimulus coming in from a fiscal perspective, which will spur this as well. That's right. And so this is the first time in uh, many recessions where monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus happening at the exact same time. When you go back to 2008, it wasn't happening at the same, it was all in the central banks back and the governments weren't prepared to spend as much as they they, they could have. Right. And now they're both getting in on the play, which just means way more stimulus. And I, I don't understand at this point in time why people are scared of this volatility, they should expect it, and why are they scared of investments that have fallen when those are the companies that are gonna lead over the next five or 10 years. Right. And so it is a stock market stock market pickers love right now, their yeah. dream, because it's not just a broad-based rally. Yep. It is a broad-based fall, but in pockets, it looks like there's opportunity and I and I always talk about me going shopping. We're, we're getting closer, and I love yep. going shopping. I don't know why I like, I like spending money. Well, the you know the uh,
0: chair Powell also, in his commentary this past week said uh, he he sees. The rise in interest rates, as a well, he called it um, orderly, but more importantly, he said this is a um, uh, a reward that wasn't his word for uh, a recovering economy. Okay, and so keep that in mind uh, from an investment perspective. Okay, we got to wrap up this uh, this particular segment, um, but we have to we got to make sense of all this stuff, right? And you've got to plan for the future during uncertain times, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So, yeah,
1: we're going to talk about this. Uh, what's interesting on this show is that we're going to talk about something that's called the future of art and Kiro collecting. Uh, this thing called NFTs, and should you invest in it, what's out there? This is going to be interesting because we're, there's a new way of investing and a new way of collecting all combined into one which is very interesting. We're going to talk about that today. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to talk about how you bulletproof your retirement at our upcoming webinar on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m., live online. Now, you need to register, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com.
0: How can you use the blockchain to invest in things like art and music? Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. Cycles, my friend, everything goes in cycles.
1: Yes, and we've heard of a lot of cycles in the past, but this one's a unique one. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the concept NFT? I have to say I have not. Yeah, you heard of N- NSF. That's yeah. what happens in yeah, your checking Yeah, account. that's right. I keep getting your checks. Yes, that's right. exactly. So <laughs> let's talk about NFT. This is a new hype. It's been going all around uh, uh, the media. There's been a lot of people's... Uh, uh concepts for example uh we've we've heard gary vaynerchuk talk about this mark cuban uh lindsey lohan you know logan paul very very popular and celebrities talking about these types of things so let's talk about it because there's going to be an uh, there's going to be some appetite for
0: it well let's talk about what an nft is first of all
1: let's start there but Okay. Let's get the experts
0: on. You know what I was going to say, that's not for you and I to discuss. Let's, Absolutely. Let's start at the beginning, <laughs> right. We've got Dr. Richard Smith. He's the CEO of the Foundation for the Study of Cycles. He's also known as the Doctor of Uncertainty. Dr. Smith, welcome to the show. Great to be
2: here, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, we've got to start right at the beginning here. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background on, um, on what NFT stands for and what it is?
2: Sure. NFT stands for Non-Fungible Token. Um, and, uh, non-fungible means that you can't exchange one for another and have them be exactly the same. Like if you take a dollar out of your wallet and I take it out of mine, we can trade them with each other and both of us will be happy. But for things that are not fungible, they can't just be exchanged one for another. Um, that doesn't work. So non-fungible means it's unique and it's a token meaning that it's a kind of cryptocurrency that leverages blockchain technology, um, which is a encrypted accounting ledger, the simplest way to think about it. And so it means that uh, it's validated and authenticated using blockchain technology.
0: So, so, Dr. Smith, where does this fit in the, the whole concept of cycles? I assuming, I'm assuming that this is a new cycle or this is something new, but just maybe give me some perspective in the broader, in the broader things with your study around cycles.
2: Sure. Well, I think that broadly um, we're seeing a lot of speculative excess in markets in general right now. And um, prices have been going up oftentimes, you know, quite dramatically without a lot of change in underlying fundamentals. And we uh, have seen cycles of that before. <laughs> so um, oftentimes, uh, you know, there every 10 years, every 20 years, literally there are cycles, especially the first two years of every decade. And the first two years of every second decade in particular are oftentimes, Times of market correction. That's actually when I got started investing myself back in 1999 and 2000 and uh, went through the dot com bust. And, you know, it uh, feels a little familiar right now. They say, you know, uh, history uh, doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And so, you know, I think that um, while I am certainly uh, a big advocate and fan and investor in blockchain and cryptocurrency myself, Um, You know, I do think that what we're seeing in NFTs is part of the, uh, you know, the speculative um, fervor that's at work in the markets right now. Somebody else, another commentator said, they are both historical and hysterical. And uh, I agree with that completely. Let's, to understand
1: more about how these NFTs work, you kind of have to understand how blockchain works. And you, you've given us a, a, a description of an accounting ledger that's encrypted, but it's, it's a bit more yeah. detailed about blockchain and why it's so unique. And it's been that technology that has really blown up for things like cryptocurrencies and so forth. Give us a bit more understanding of what, does a blo- what, does the, what is the blockchain and what does it do?
2: Well, I think uh, NFTs are actually a great example of the power of blockchain and crypto, because it shows how the technology can be used um, for peer-to-peer exchange of value. And the disintermediation I know that's a lot of syllables in one word, but you know, taking out the middleman, uh, in this case, you know, oftentimes between artists and their fans. So one of the NFTs that's getting a lot of attention right now is a special edition of an album that's been released by a new band called Kings of Leon. And um, some uh, buyers of the album are buying a special NFT version of the album that gives them a unique uh, kind of collectible edition with some special features. And, through the blockchain, they're able to say, you know, to identify themselves as the unique owners of those special editions, and then they can go, actually, sell it um, to somebody else if they want directly, and that happens um, all online and it happens peer to peer.
0: So, so that's really interesting, actually, Faisal. So, so this Christmas, um, I let me see if I understand this correctly because I got a gift. You might, you know which one I'm talking about? It was a gift of a, um, um, a movie script uh, that I'm fond of by an actor that I'm fond of, and it was signed. And uh, the signature was, uh, yeah. uh, I guess, um, authentic or verified by another person. So this, th- th- in this particular case, what you're saying is that that script in the blockchain could be provided with a unique identifier for all those verifications and assume that there's no or eliminate any potential fraud is that correct
2: that's right so you know it's not going to be a physical print with somebody's signature that you know has to be verified in some sense by somebody else and that you don't know it's forged but for digital assets you can uniquely identify them and guarantee that they're not forgeries using this nft technology
1: do do you see that this moving into a bigger market and when you start talking about a unique piece of of an item that's that's you own and you can trade it or sell it, it sounds like to me when I was a kid collecting uh, hockey cards. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a rookie card of a of a professional yeah. athlete that's worth a certain value, if it's mint value, so on and so forth, you can sell it, you can trade it, you can. It, but it's yours and you have it in your possession physically. The blockchain is more of a electronical right. wallet of that. Um, it, it, do you see this actually morphing into something like that? Is that the cycle that we're heading to?
2: You know, I think that that is the idea. And, and that is the NBA is doing that now with their top shot series of videos that you can collect. For me, it was baseball cards when I was a kid. Um, so I do think that there's an analogy there. I'm, I'm not completely sold on that analogy because, um, you know, these videos that are being sold on as via nfts with the nba they are videos that you can go watch online uh from my understanding elsewhere you don't have to own them to watch them and you don't get any royalties from your ownership of an nft you know uh, video uh, sports card if you will so i you know it's a little bit of a mystery to me but that is the idea um, that people are buying them because they think they'll be collectibles and that they can sell them for a higher price later on. So we'll see. So what's
0: the mechanism then to, um, uh, to get involved? Like, how do you create? How is an NFT created? And, and uh, w- what's that process like for somebody who's listening, listening audience here?
2: Yeah, well, there's um, online marketplaces. You know, you can think of them kind of like a stock exchange. Uh, There's one called OpenSea.io and um, you can go and uh, essentially uh, bring your own digital asset, your own creation, and turn it into an NFT and sell Mm -hmm. it um, to somebody else, usually using uh, Ether, which is the cryptocurrency on the Ethereum blockchain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you can bring your NFT there and sell it to buyers and sellers. I'm looking actually at the uh, site right now and Kings of Leon NFT albums are selling. Uh, they're apparently trading somebody's bot, at least one, at uh, three-tenths of an Ether, which you know is at least several hundred dollars, which surprises me because I think they're selling them for like $50. Um, and from what I understand, they're selling them, to anyone who wants to buy one in the next two weeks so they haven't right. like well, a certain you know fixed number of uh that they're going to sell yep. um so anyway it's a it's a brave new world <laughs> well that's for
0: sure listen we've got to take we've got to take a quick break here but uh, i want to talk about how you invest in the nft and how you get involved uh, when we come back but before we um before we take off, it is a brave new world. There's so much change and so much going on. How do you build a foundation yes. to make sure, Faisal, that you've got your your lifestyle locked in from a retirement perspective?
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about how you actually fund your retirement for the rest of your life. So you can bulletproof that retirement on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m. live online Now you need to register, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
0: All right, let's learn how we can invest or get involved in NFTs after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and more than money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than money. We're joined by Dr. Richard Smith, CEO of the Foundation for the Study of Cycles, also known as the Doctor of Uncertainty. We're talking about NFTs. Now let me just get this right. Non fungible tokens.
1: Correct. Take a moment to get that out properly. You know, there's been so many people looking at different ways of 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 investing. Yeah, the typical stock and bond market is is one way, but there are other ways. Cryptocurrency has been a conversation. Collectibles, art. And now these NFTs, right. and the question always comes up: Well, then, how do I get my piece of the pie? Right?
0: Like, yeah. how do or I? Or is get it right hold? for me? Or what? You know, what? What? What do I have to know? Yeah. Right? And
1: so, so we have Dr. Richard Smith, CEO of the Foundation of the Study of Cycles, also known as the Doctor of Uncertainty, Dr. Smith. The question I have for you is: How does someone, the general public, get in and start either investing in the technology of NFTs or actually these products that are available via an NFT?
2: Well, I'm not aware of, of uh, any companies that you can invest in at the moment um, where you can invest in the technology itself. But if you want to actually buy some NFTs and hold on to them in the hope of that they'll appreciate in value, then you need to get a, uh, a cryptocurrency wallet, a digital wallet, and you need to trade some dollars or... Uh, um, trade some dollars for some Ether, and then you need to take that Ether to a place like OpenSea.io and uh, buy some NFTs in this um, online marketplace. So it does involve a little bit of facility with this world of cryptocurrency, um, enough to open up a wallet and buy some Ether and then be able to go uh, trade that Ether for some NFTs.
1: So beyond this album of this band that came out, what other items are you seeing? Because I don't—I'm don't, not in front of the computer right now to to see this. But what other items are out there, and where do you see this heading towards? Like, is this going to be bigger and more and more items are going to be put on there that are that are actually tradable? Like, I understand the NBA is doing what the NBA is doing just to test it out, but at some point, this is, this might be a viable option for people to buy collectibles or certain limited items. Um, where do you see this headed?
2: It might. I do think it's something that, uh, while it is something that I am very interested in and excited about, you know, I I really love the idea of creators and their uh, fans being able to um, exchange value with each other directly. And I think that's part of what this does. Um, I do think it's something where people really need to read the fine print. It's easy to get caught up in the hype right now. There's a lot of attention on this and things are going for what seem to be, you know, pretty extraordinary prices. I think one of uh, LeBron James's video snippet video basketball cards just sold for something like $250,000. Uh, Christie's is doing an auction of a digital art piece right now. Um, that is supposedly last quote was $3.5 million. So, Um, you know, you got to read the fine print and you got to know what you're buying and you have to really figure out if there is true scarcity here and something that's likely to increase in value. Um, and, uh, I think it's something that if you're interested in it, you should absolutely get involved, but at the same time, uh, it needs to be with money that you can afford to, uh, not see again for a while. So, I'm sure you all have familiarity with you know managing investments and taking advantage of speculative opportunities, but it's got to be with money that you can afford to lose
0: so on that point, let's let's broaden the conversation just a minute away from uh, nfts because I want to go back to cycles for a moment and maybe maybe you can speak yeah. to um, uh, to cycles again, whatever point in the cycle you think that um, blockchain or digital currency or NFTs might be in. But in general, what do people need to know about currencies um, relative to what you're seeing, uh, not currencies, excuse me, cycles relative to what you're seeing today?
2: Well, I think that um, we're closer to the cycle tops than we are to the cycle bottoms. I think that, you know, we're in a 12-year bull market coming out of the 2009 financial crisis. And um, people need to be aware of the Possibilities of corrections. I think they are a real possibility. I think the cycles certainly indicate that risk. We saw Ray Dalio come out this week talking about his concerns about the marketplace. We saw Jeremy Grantham come out um, and talk about his concerns. You know, and then we heard Vlad Tenev, you know, new uh, um, wonderkind of Robinhood, come out and call Charlie Munger elitist. And, uh, you know, disrespectful. So that's the nature of the cycle that we're in right now. Um, you know, I think, uh, as I said before, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And so I think it's a time that everybody just needs to be uh, cautious and not overextending themselves, um, not necessarily running for the hills, but, uh, but certainly aware of you know, that prices don't always just keep going straight up.
1: <laughs> Dr. Smith, in, in history, there have been times where people get ahead of themselves because of what's been out there. And we'll go back to the the dot-com era. People were getting very excited, overvaluing yep. certain companies and so forth. And then this little thing called Y2K came in, and people were scared about losing their 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 information. There was a whole bunch of issues with the with computers and the world not working, and we're all gonna, you know, die and all this kind of stuff. We're getting to a point right now where, although blockchain fairly new out there, there are some concerns that you could put all your life savings into the, into digital currencies, and it could be stolen, taken away from you, and so forth is the safety of these collectibles and the cryptocurrency on these on this type of technology are are we concerned about that because we hear cases of that of course that's going to be overblown but what what's the safety for an average american or canadian to to say i want to get in on this and i know my money is safe
2: i think that That is always a concern about blockchain. It is uh, an encryption technology. And for one thing, if that encryption is ever broken, then um, the whole game is over. So it is something that uh, you need to be careful about. Another thing is if you lose your keys, if you lose your, your passwords, you can't recover it ever. It's gone. So it is something that you need to be careful with. I do think it has a place in uh, people's portfolios. It's certainly had a place in my portfolio and I've been very happy with it, but it's not something that I would be putting my life savings in uh, by any stretch. Um, certainly not at this stage of my life, uh, but I do think it can make a, uh, an interesting and complimentary um, uh, asset in a portfolio. And I think if you really believe in the opportunities for people to interact and exchange value more directly with fewer middlemen, then it's a technology that you absolutely should uh, allocate some capital to because you're helping build the new world by uh, loaning your capital to this enterprise. And I think that's great. That should be part of what investing is.
0: Dr. Smith, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. We've been joined by Dr. Richard Smith as the CEO of the Foundation for the Study of Cycles, known as the Doctor of Uncertainty. And, Faisal, there is some uncertainty in this area and new technology, but there's also uncertainty for people when they look forward into their future and what their
1: retirement looks like, right? Running out of money, volatility in the markets, economic changes, everything that's going on puts a lot of stress on a person that's transitioning into retirement or living in retirement. And so we're gonna show you our strategy on how you bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m. live online. You need to register. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
0: Could your post-pandemic spending plan screw up your retirement? Well, let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and more than
1: money. So you're going to do it? Uh, Are you going to buy it? Are you going to buy some collectibles and uh, NFTs and stuff like that? i got to tell you, I, I'm actually I'm more interested
0: in that. It sounds a little bit complicated for an old fart like me, <laughs> right? But I like the idea of that because I am interested in collectibles and investing in things outside of just stocks and bonds, alternative asset classes, right? Yeah, yeah. More and more becoming interested in that again. I think I'll have, I don't want, I'm never the first guy, and you know me, that that's not my personality, I'm not an early adopter, but I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in it, I think I'm still old school, I like my Wayne Gretzky rookie sure. card in my safe, uh, I like my collectibles and, and stuff in my safe yep. versus virtually or on a blockchain or on a digital wallet, <clears throat> um, I'm just not there yet to be comfortable putting my collectibles in, a, in an, an electronic form. Yep. Um, Once I can get my head around that, I'll be looking. Well, these are the kinds of things it's
0: going to evolve, right? There's no question that there is an irreversible move in that direction. Blockchain technology will be a part of it. It doesn't matter if you're talking about cryptocurrencies or collecting or whatever the heck it's going to be. We'll see how this is going to evolve, right? So we can't put our head in the sand and say, yeah, never. But we have to just, um, again, you have to determine your own level of comfort if you're getting involved.
1: I, I think we as a society, especially in the Western world, are looking at these types of options because there is a lot of capital out there, a lot of money that can be spent. Uh, keeping in mind that many people in Canada and the U.S. have not seen a drop in their income, even though they're not employed. Right. So this is they've got cash, and they've been deferring some debt, and then the average person's been doing okay, considering the pandemic, an aggregate, and the very wealthy are very wealthy. Uh, uh, and so they're spending their money. What's what's going to be happening, I think, in the next, call it six months or so, Dave, and I'll say by around Halloween, that's my, still my prediction about, that's when I think most, if not all, who want to be vaccinated will. Mm-hmm. For some viewpoints, people are saying once they get vaccinated, they feel like they're Able to uh, do what they used to do. And I believe with a lot of people who are in retirement, who have been sidelined for a year or two years from doing the fun things in their retirement, are now going to have this bent up demand and going to go, hey, Dave, hey, Faisal, I need to take out a large sum of money out of my savings, Mm -hmm. my investments, so I can go on those trips, plural or a large trip or spend a lot of money on things that I wasn't able to do in the last year or two. And I have um, concerns about that because sometimes what people do is when they spend Think about when you're go when you really hungry and you go to a restaurant mm-hmm. or even a buffet. <laughs> do you remember what a buffet is? It's been so long since I've been there. And I remember what I do when I'm hungry, too. Yeah, when you're hungry because <laughs> you haven't eaten for a while, and then you go to the buffet, you load everything up. Um, and it's not good for you long term if you continue to do the same thing over and over again. Right. It's similar when it comes to your retirement in this point, the post-pandemic when you are ready to spend money it might be that that buffet style and just put everything that you can do right now because you never know we might be Mm -hmm. going through another pandemic we might not be able to do this i'm going to start spending money and i'm worried to some degree that people will overspend and they're going to just spend first and then ask questions later that's the problem it's
0: not that they want to spend right it's that they spend first and ask questions later so I'm going to put my hand up. I'm one of those people thinking about, boy, I had to defer a lot of stuff. Okay, I haven't seen my mom in a long time in a long-term care facility. I haven't entertained with my family for a long time or friends. I haven't traveled. We had a bunch of trips to do with my wife and my yep. family. Okay, I, I want to do those things. Now,
1: you got to be careful about the binge. Right? Yeah, but let's, all, let's also separate you from people who are retired because if you overspend, you have time to make up more money. Yeah. You are not on a fixed savings Correct. income plan. Correct. When you're retired, you have a limited amount of money. No, no, true. I, absolutely. We'll get to that. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning. I understand <laughs> where you're, you're, you're a buffet guy. I get it. Like you're going you're gonna to indulge on that stuff.
0: No, no, no. All I was trying to get at, not, not that I'm in the same situation, but... That's, I don't think I'm abnormal in that respect, right? In that respect. Right.
1: You're abnormal in other respects. Many other respects, respect. yeah. There's yeah. many
0: problems. We can do a whole show on that, <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> um, but, but the, the, the point uh, that I wanted to make is, so you're feeling that, right? If I'm feeling it, most people are feeling that, yeah. right? Yeah. Your yeah. point is right on the money. You can feel it. And to some extent, you can do it. But you should probably think a little bit about what the impact is going to be on that, right? That's a planning issue. And maybe that takes some of the romance out of just getting out there and, and, and spending. Yeah. Okay? But you should consider those decisions in the context of your, your overall lifestyle plan.
1: Do you have a rule of thumb that you talk to our clients or people that listen to the show, if they want to spend X number of dollars, review your plan? You mean over what their plan is, or are you saying somebody that doesn't have a plan? So let's assume they have a a retirement plan, and it's in writing. Right. And let's assume that they want to take money out in a large lump sum. Is there a dollar amount that you say, you should better get a... Better second set of eyes on that to make sure you're okay.
0: Nah, I don't know if there's a rule of thumb that I would use. Maybe you've got a number. But, you know, if somebody's going to spend 50% more a 100% more on, on one year, it, you know, it, okay, maybe in there. From a financial planning perspective, the bigger impact is if you doubled up for five years in a row, you've got a problem, yeah. right? But um, the, the way what originally came to mind when you asked me that, and I'll get your opinion on the number too, is there's lots of different types of people. And so uh, a binge spend uh, in one year, okay, you've got multiple years to make up for, right? So it's the multiple binge spend years that create the problem for me. Having said that, we're very different. I'm the kind of guy that would likely go back to the plan and, and sort of retest things if I was gonna be spending in you know my comfort levels probably 50% more I'd want to know what Then your annual spend. Then my annual spend. So as an
1: example, if you're spending, and I'm making up numbers here, $100,000 a year in retirement, if you have a $150,000 expense this year, take a look at it. I would. I would. That's a comfort level for me. You might be higher than that. I think we're in the same boat. You're using dollars. I'm using percent. If you're using 2% of your savings above and beyond your regular spending requirements, so if you have a million-dollar portfolio and you're spending 2%, $20,000, just do a test. If you're, if you're less than 2%, you can kind of, you, you've got time. Yeah. What I find that I'm hearing from people on, uh, listening to this show, they want to do a whole bunch of goals in one shot, which is an, a bit you call it a binge spend. Yeah. Binge might be on doing multiple of the same thing right. and spending on it. Right. But I want to help my kid. I want to travel. I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, and then all of a sudden they're spending five six $600,000 and they go, well, why can't I do that? Right. Right? I've been aware, I haven't done it for two years, so I'm just catching up what I didn't do. Right. Well, it also depends on how your portfolio is done. It right. also depends on how you're, you have an income bucket or not and all these different issues. So I say if you're spending more than 2% of your savings, just do a test. Just talk to your advisor, crunch the numbers. And most times, you know, it'll be okay. But if you're spending more than 2%, just see what the impact is. Mm-hmm. And are you comfortable with that impact and are you willing to take that risk?
0: Yeah, and and... Just as importantly to that, this um, this global health event that people are feeling very personally, um, I think it's a it, it's a redo a reboot point too for people. Think about what your lifestyle is going to be going forward, right? So there's the one the one thing is the binge spend, right? But what if what if you permanently decided, geez, I don't want to go, I don't want to leave anything in my bucket list off the list. So I'm going to accelerate some of these things. And that's a that's a material change to go back. And test test that, right? Don't get caught. What we always say is the only bad news you have is bad news that can't be fixed. If you get it in ter- in, in time, if you look at it in time, Correct. and you can fix it, that you can make bad news into good news. Correct.
1: I totally get it. There's going to be some spending. There's going to be bent-up demand on a whole bunch of things. Yep. I haven't seen a sporting event in I don't know how long. And right now, my sporting event is seeing my dog run around the backyard.
0: No, your sporting event is, well, at least for me, watching your daughter beat you up in her well that's
1: that's spectator sport that's participatory (laughs) let me tell you that hey listen i'll put that on the web and you guys want to pay for this event oh my god this is an nft i'm putting out for sure that uh, how my daughter can kick my you know what by just choking me out making this poor guy turn purple that's awesome she's really good at that having said that i'm looking forward to uh to travel and sports travel that's been a lot of my my uh fun time so it's gonna take some time before we can all do that. And I'll probably overspend. Yeah. Um, and there'll be so much demand that the prices will go up. They will go up, that's right.
3: That's exactly right. Uh, it just right. makes
1: sense to me, with, with, especially with limited seating on a certain area, yeah. there's gonna be an, an increase in price. So that being said, that's, that's where I think people need to just get a second opinion or review how the impact will be going forward. So I, I, an informal poll,
0: anybody that wants to participate, I would love to hear from people about what they're thinking about. When life gets back to
1: normal, whatever that is for you, what did you delay that you want to do? Yeah. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, send us a note at morethanmoneyradio.com. Just go there, contact contact us and uh, answer Dave's question there. Of what do you plan on doing once you're allowed to do what you want to do? Yep. Yeah. And that'll, that'll be great.
0: Okay, let's talk about uh, the upcoming seminar that we've got.
1: Yeah, how do you bulletproof your retirement? This is what we're going to talk about, all these fun things you want to do and also what, what you need to do to set yourself up for yeah. success yeah. on Tuesday, March 23rd, 7 p.m. live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Thanks for joining us
0: for another edition of More Than Money. We appreciate you spending a bit of time with us and we look forward to joining you again next week.
3: David Papawich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Papawich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.